Blog Talk Radio. Ho, ho, ho. You're listening to the Alpha Show. Therefore, tonight, have we truly become the inheritors of our American legacy, a government more dangerous to our liberty than is the enemy it claims to protect us from. You get to a point of sky is green, grass is blue. You get to a point of who can you believe? Who will you believe? You're tuned in to TruthWorks Network, The Alpha Show. Men with no brains, no heart, and no balls. She wouldn't be in Oz. She'd be in Congress. <laughs> ah, good afternoon. Or should I say good evening? Because it's evening here. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Alpha Show. Here at TruthWorks Network, where the truth must be spoken more than once. Uh, let's see here. I just don't know where to start. The week has been full, just full. The unbelievable, the inconceivable. Yeah, the, the, the inconceivable. I, I just don't. I'm having a hard time finding a start and a goal spot, some place to start, some something. It's just other ways inconceivable. 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 You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. I don't think I do know what that word means, but I mean it starts out with quite a quite slow. And I say quite slow, but First night of the DNC, Democratic National Convention, was a a big start. We had some of everything. The Bernie of Bus people were pissed off. They wasn't. They was mad, and they were going to make their voices heard. They were going to yell, scream, jump up and down, and shout, and do all of the things that they could to disrupt the uh, convention. So they even turning on Bernie. <laughs> they even turning on Bernie because they are just unhappy. They didn't get what they wanted, so they were taking their ball after some hollering and screaming, and they were going to go home. Hey, look. I went into a convenience store the other day and 
They didn't have the kind of beer that I wanted, so I drank bleach. Does that make any sense? Uh, that makes absolutely no sense to me. But they carried on like real troopers, and they were they were legitimately PO'd as well as they should be. They should have been PO'd because there were quite a few things that the DNC did that they first didn't know about. They suspected they accused. But then, guess what? Somebody hacked into the DNC server and got emails showing that Debbie Wasserman Schultz and the bunch, a lot of them, thumbs on the scale for Hillary Clinton. Oh, Bernie didn't have a chance. If it wasn't not recognizing his message from the media, it was... Let's schedule the let's schedule the debates. Uh, how about on a Saturday night when college football playoffs are going, and there's nobody around to watch? Let's keep it as low key as we possibly can. And I got to tell you, this was Debbie Wasserman Schultz, and she's a Clintonista. She's from the Clinton camp, along with Donna Brazil and a lot of them. And you have a group, the Bernie supporters are saying, Debbie Wasserman Schultz's resignation is not enough. And they give 10 reasons not enough. And the 10 reasons... I mean, the superdelegates is one. That's the first reason. They didn't like the superdelegates. The debate schedule, which I just covered. Uh, campaign finance. They were a little ticked off about that also. Their refusal to address claims of election fraud. The Democratic Party platform, which Bernie... Uh, he got a progressive platform. He got 80% of what he wanted, as he, as he said. The documented attempts to discredit and dismiss Bernie Sanders. The DNC collision with the media. That's number seven. The false claims of neutrality and failure to protect donor information. The last, but not least in this, and this, just, I call it a, 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 a doodle smoothie. And then they didn't take the leak seriously. Little did they know that this was a party that packed into their server who was just staunchly for Republicans because there's been no RNC hacking. There's been none of that. Which leads us to Russians, the Russians. And that's who they trace it to, the um, IT specialists, uh, clearly state that it's the 
fingerprint of the Russians is all over this. And then why is the narrative not with Donald Trump and his campaign head, who has business ties, not just with Putin, but with countries under that umbrella. And that has been the narrative, and it should be a beaten like a drum at nausea. Donald Trump solicits help from the Soviet Union to interfere American election, which is treason, which is treason. And I got to tell you, I got a clip here that basically this is how they operate. This is how Republicans operate. Treasonous, they don't give a damn because they know that the people on the other side of the aisle are not going to use it as a political battering ram. They're not going to use it, the people on the other side, the so-called Democrats, virtual cowards, virtual cowards. And when I talk about treasonous behavior by Republicans, this isn't the first time Republicans have been treasonous about Getting elected, they will use anything necessary, by any means necessary. They will go out and basically use any lowdown, any lowdown tactic that they can. And I'll tell you, that's why I was sure that even though I am for Bernie, I was for Bernie, I was sure that they, the Clintons would never allow that to happen because they fight like Republicans. They are dirty and low down just like Republicans. And like I said, I'm not one of those who goes to the store like I did. They didn't have my brand of beer, so I drank bleach. And that's what a lot of people have to grow up about. You may dislike the Clintons just as I do, but damn, <clears throat> are you going to just go Donald Trump? Oh, just kick the door open and allow Donald Trump to, to enter. There's too much at stake. There's way too much at stake. And when I say the um, the Republicans will do anything to get elected, or they'll use any, not catastrophe, any event to sow the seeds of of divisive mistrust and a separation. A lot of people claim that they're the same wing of the same bird. But I don't see Democrats using treason to get elected to office. I want to play this clip for you because this is a classic example. Tom Cotton, um, 
What is he from Arkansas? He's from Arkansas, I believe. The senator from Arkansas. He rallied 47 Republicans to undermine the Iran deal, the, the Iran nuclear deal. The only other option to the Iran nuclear deal is war. And needless to say, Tom Cotton had just been paid by the industrial, military industrial complex to his campaign. And that's when he came out to undermine a sitting president's negotiations. Fell off, but he did this act of treason. And the Democrats sat silent. And because their history says, say nothing. Do not use these examples to politically someone over the head with. Just like the 20 embassy attacks and 66 deaths of our foreign embassies around the world that happened under the Bush, Bush watch, the W. Bush watch. Not one House investigation, Senate investigation, nobody said a word. Nobody demagogued the death and the attacks of our embassy. But Benghazi, oh yeah, I want you to listen to this clip because it basically lays it out in Tom Hartman has been saying this for a few years. Donald Trump has got this strategy uh, for blowing up the, the DNC. And in fact, he bragged about it yesterday. He bragged about how, you know, every day he's been able to disrupt the news cycle for the Democrats. They say I'm not supposed to, to campaign while, while they're having their, their convention, but here I am campaigning, campaigning right? Um, I... I it's like the guy can't start a sentence without I. Um, so listening to this yesterday as Donald Trump asked a foreign government, uh, you know, whether it was Russia or China or North Korea or, or Germany or France, I don't care which government it is, a candidate for one of the two major parties in the United States of America called on a foreign government to hack the computers of the Secretary of State of the United States of America. Now, Steve Israel, who uh, used to run the, the DCCC, I, uh, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee, I'm not sure if he still does, but I think he does. But uh, a congressman, Democratic congressman from New York, Steve, Steve Israel had, this is clip number nine, had this to say about Trump. Well, that borders on treason. I mean, it, I never before have I heard of or seen a candidate, not just for president, but for anything, invite a foreign spy agency to hack America's computers. There you go. So, uh, you know, a lot of people are shocked by this. I would like to uh, point out, and the Democrats are, are, are way too, oh, what's the word, thoughtful, considerate, care about the future of our nation, um, 
gentlemen and women, uh, whatever, to point out what I'm about to point out. But I'm telling you, if this had happened on the other side, if a Democrat had said this, and if a Democrat had the skeletons in their closet, if the Democratic Party had a skeletons in their closet that I'm about to share with you about the Republicans, then the wrath of God would have come down on Donald Trump yesterday. So what am I talking about here? What Donald Trump did by calling for a foreign government to hack the computers of the State Department, basically, and and Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State. What he what he did was arguably treason. And, uh, you know, there's a long history in the United States of our being very upset about that. I mentioned yesterday the XYZ affair, and, you know, maybe you've had an opportunity to Google it or look it up or read about it. It's actually a chapter about it in my book. Uh, what would Jefferson do? Or at least there was when I wrote it. I don't know if it made it into the final book, but I remember writing the chapter. I remember reading the whole thing. It was fascinating, Jefferson's papers, where, you know, back in the, back in the, the late 1700s, they thought that, and, that the country of France was trying to mess with our elections. And uh, it just infuriated the founding generation, infuriated. But this is not new. Treason by a Republican presidential nominee is not new. Back, it started with Nixon, as far as we know. I mean, it might go back way before that, but I, I have a hard time believing that Dwight Eisenhower committed treason to become president. Or for that matter, even you know, Harding and, and uh, Coolidge and, and, and Hoover in the 1920s. I doubt that they committed treason. I think they just ran their campaigns and they got elected. But in 1968, Lyndon Johnson had negotiated peace in Vietnam, successfully negotiated peace in Vietnam. And Nixon learned about it. And the CIA was wiretapping the South Vietnamese, and they came to Lyndon Johnson and they said, Richard Nixon's people are talking via Anna Chenault, the the representative of the president of South Vietnam, Richard Nixon's people are talking to the South Vietnamese and telling them, don't go with the peace deal. And Lyndon Johnson called up his, and this was just released a couple of years ago by the Lyndon Johnson Library, and no, no Democrats pointed it out, which astonishes me. I've been pointing it out over and over on this show. Lyndon Johnson called up Everett Dirksen. Those of you old enough to remember, Everett Dirksen was an honorable man. He, he, he was one of the last of that generation of honorable Republicans. He was the Senate majority leader. He, he ran the Senate, a job that Lyndon Johnson used to have. And he called up Everett Dirksen, and this was the conversation they had. Here's the latest latest uh, information we got. The agent says that uh, she's just they just talked to the boss in New Mexico, uh-huh. and that he says that you must hold out, just hold on until after the election. We know what Chew is saying to him out there. Yeah, we're pretty well informed on both ends. Now I'm reading their hand, Everett. I don't want to get this in the campaign. That's right. And they ought to be doing this. This is treason. I know. And they oughtn't to be doing this, Everett. This is treason. I know. And then there was a whole series of conversations, and you can find them over at the Johnson Library. So, so, so Richard Nixon committed treason in 1968 by involving a foreign government to blow up the efforts of a sitting president to bring peace to Vietnam 
And had that peace happened, it would have saved some 20,000 American lives and probably a million Vietnamese lives, not to mention Cambodians and Laotians. The second one was Ronald Reagan in 1980, when the hostages were taken in Iran. Abdul Hassan Bani Sadr ran for president of Iran in the summer of 1980 and, and won. On a platform, as he said, as he wrote for the Christian Science Monitor, he said, I won the election with over 76% of the vote. Uh, he said, I openly opposed the hostage taking throughout the election campaign. He says, I was deposed in June 1981 as a result of a coup against me. After arriving in France, I told a BBC reporter that I left Iran to expose the symbiotic relationship between Khomeiniism and Reaganism. I told a Khomeini and Ronald Reagan had organized a clandestine negotiation, later known as the October Surprise, which prevented the attempts by myself and then President uh, Jimmy Carter to free the hostages before the U.S. 1980 election took place. The fact that they were not released tipped the results of the election in favor of Reagan. Two of my advisors, Hassan Nawab Sabivi and Sadr al-Habtazi, were executed by Khomeini's regime because they had become aware of the secret relationship between Khomeini, his son Ahmed, the Islamic Republican Party, and the Reagan administration. And this became what we refer to as Iran-Contra. We, by October, before the election, the month before the election, we were transshipping via Israel spare, spare aircraft parts, specifically tires, to Iran. And for the next three or four years, we were selling illegally, under the table, illegally, in violation of sanctions, the Reagan administration was selling weapons to Iran in exchange for them holding the hostages until the minute. Now, how timid, how soft the Democrats have to be. And this kind of meshes this, they're both in this together. Because if you have someone winning the White House, Nixon and Reagan, with treasonous acts, what does that say about the other side not to use that intelligence to bring down? Nixon was brought down anyway because he continued to do illegal things. Reagan never had to happen. And what would that have meant for the direction of our country? You see, Nixon cost over 20,000 American lives by interfering and done negotiations to end the Vietnam War. Treason. Treason. And if you had it on tape, if you were, if you had bugged the South Vietnamese talks, why couldn't you have possibly used that to stop a rich Nixon? And if you knew what you knew when Ronald Reagan was cutting a deal with the Iranians, you could have stopped it. It makes very little sense but then too when you feed into the both of the same of the same uh, wings of the, of the bird I understand that I, I completely understand that but why would one side cede the power to the other 
It's not like when Democrats, Jimmy Carter, Bill Clinton, as soon as they became president, the propaganda machine clicked in the high gear. Not so much for Carter, because Fox News was not an entity then, but definitely for Bill Clinton. And now for the sitting president, Barack Obama. How soft do you have to be as a Democrat not to want to head up power and guide the nation? So we got what we got, and we got what we got now. The obstruction that you've seen for the last seven and a half years is the obstruction that you should have seen from the Democratic Party in 2000 when the Supreme Court selected W. Bush as president. They should have obstructed and stopped his entire agenda as much as they possibly could. Where would we be as a nation? What? Maybe maybe Al Gore would have paid attention to the August 6th report that they were going to fly planes into buildings because they were in school then. Maybe he could have stopped it, saving 3,000 more American lives. Maybe you could have knocked down this terrorism that Bush caused by going into Iraq. A lot of maybes there, and all we needed was someone to stand up, someone on the Democratic side to have backbone. And yes, I do get a little worked up, but uh, that's because there is no pushback, there is no fight back. So I'll just set this over here for for a while and let it cool off the room temperature. Hillary Clinton will be the nominee or is the nominee for the Democratic Party. Take it for what it's worth. Don't look for a Green Party to emerge and somehow overtake both Republican and Democrats. The Green Party is getting about 3% of the vote. And don't look for Gary Johnson, the Libertarian Party, to make his move like a racehorse coming around the backstretch and headed toward the finish line. You have a choice. See the Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. Like I say, at the progressive agenda, the progressive platform, Bernie Sanders got, and that means very little because who's to say she's going to follow it? She's against TPP, but I I'll tell you like this: they will push the TPP through in the lame duck session. 
because there will not be the backbone from the Democrats in the Senate to filibuster the approval because we have too many Democrats, Wall Street Democrats, who are looking at their pocketbooks. You know the House is going to pass it. And if they had any sense, they would attach a budget bill to the main bill for the TPP and push it through with budget reconciliation. That's the same thing that this administration could have done with countless, countless pieces of legislation, budget amendment to it. And you can push it through with budget reconciliation. Or you could have gotten rid of the filibuster, which Harry Reid and so many of the other white senators were so reluctant to do. It's a check and balance. But it's only a check and balance when Democrats are in office. When Republicans are in office, Democrats capitulate. They allow the narrative of a mandate to take over. And like now, as Republicans use the pedophilia namesake Dennis the Hastert bill for bringing in immigration reform, and they just went quietly along. This is what Bernie Sanders brings to the table, or he has brought to the table. People who are sick and tired, millennials, young people, but every single act that is run in these states controlled by parties from the right, the Republican Party. And I mean, you know, I, what's that? What's the guy's name? Uh, he pointed out something that seems to be flying under the radar because Democrats don't have the backbone, the spine to campaign on this. The GOP currently holds 248 out of 440 seats. They have the House. They, call, they hold 54 out of 100 seats. They have the Senate. They control 31 out of 50 governorships out of the 50 states. 70 out of 99 state legislative chambers. 70 out of 99. That's 70%. And four out of eight justices appointed to the Supreme Court. But I just thought it's worth noting that the party complaining most about where the country is heading, you've seen the so-called polls from the complicit media, that 70% of the people feel that the country is heading in the wrong direction. And Republicans are trumpeting and echoing ad nauseum that those polling numbers. 
but not one Democrat will stand up and say the country is heading in that direction because Republicans have their hands on the steering wheel. Very forceful. It makes for a great ad. It makes for pushback. It allows you to understand. It allows people who are not following the process the opportunity to simply say, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold up here. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me, why are you angry? Why is the nation, the nation's white working class so angry? And why are Democrats pointing out that it's the Republicans' policies to get this nation into a manufacturing vacuum since the year 2000? Since the year 2000, we've lost over 70 thousand factories. Now, a lot of people may say to themselves, wait a minute. You get a little head scratching. You'll simply get people who simply don't know. It's up to 70,000 since 2001, since 2001, 1,000 factories and millions of decent paying jobs have left the United States as a result of disastrous trade policies. Corporations have shut down plants in this country and moved to China and other low-wage countries and we've given them tax breaks. So when you hear people on the right yell, they want their country back, country away from you. Who took those good-paying jobs and shipped them overseas? We have to understand who are the bad guys, who are the enemies of democracy. Who are the enemies of this nation? And I think the answer is clear. It's the bankers. It's Wall Street. It's the corporations. It's the politicians. And if we don't clean house soon, there'll be nothing left to fight for. Don't fall for what Hillary Clinton is saying. We have to take a position to make them do. And this isn't a time for Green Party, Third Party, whatever the hell you want to call it. Something other than a principled stance. This is an election that will decide possibly someone did an age of an age rundown of the Supreme Court. We got 82, 84, 83-year-olds, and they don't appear to be long for that job. 
confirming Merrick Garland will also be a lame duck decision to watch out for. Because if Hillary wins, they will rush like hell to confirm Merrick Garland to keep a progressive from sitting in that seat. And if Hillary Clinton wins, she should take a position, and Mary Garland should take a position to withdraw. Don't reward them for their obstruction. Don't reward them for their disrespect to a Democratic sitting president, let alone a black man. Don't get caught in that tit-for-tat game with these lowlifes. And it's no secret, I'm not a big Republican fan, but it's getting worse. It's getting to a point where Republicans have been caught up in so much skullduggery, let me put it like that. They've been caught up in so much BS under the table, underhanded, bovine, equine, and canine excrement. And for those of you who missed it, that's bullshit, horseshit, and dog shit. Republicans have been caught up in each and every one of these plots. Skullduggery. It's the Republicans. And if you're sick of gridlock in this country, stop voting for the people responsible for the obstruction. Stop voting for the people who unabashed. They're just unabashed in their ability to grind the government to a halt and then point and say, see, government don't work. Government don't work as they've obstructed everything that they possibly could. You hear it over and over again. We are such a divided nation. We are so we are so divided that we can't government can't get anything done. You know who's the architect of this obstruction. And he's been an architect of obstruction. His history is obstruction, and that's Newt Gingrich. When he shut down the government during the Clinton years, as they were fighting against progressive agendas, so what did they do? They filibustered veterans' jobs bill. They filibustered Wall Street reform. They filibustered immigration reform. Twice, they filibustered political ad disclosure. Small Business Jobs Act, they filibustered twice. Unemployment extension bill. Remember the people whose unemployment ran out? It just ran out. The hell with them. They filibustered that. The Affordable Care Act, they've tried to repeal the Affordable Care Act 60 times now or more, 60 times, 20 million people, they're trying to take away their health care. 
the number one bankruptcy cause in this nation is health care. But they don't want you to have it. The Recovery and Reinvestment Act. They attempted to block it, but it had something to do with budget. And they forced it through with budget reconciliation. Taxes on companies shipping jobs overseas. Republicans blocked it. The repeal of Don't Act, Don't Tell. Multiple blocks. And not just one, not just two, but they finally got it through. I believe that was um, that was um, somewhere up in the sequester. That was a compromise. Healthcare for 9/11 responders. Republicans filibustered it. Benefits for homeless veterans. Republicans filibustered. Anti-rape amendment, Republicans filibuster. Fair Pay Act of 2009, filibuster. Oil spill liability. They protected the corporations by filibuster. The Dream Act, they blocked it. And the Jobs Bill, to repair the infrastructure of this nation as the roads fall apart. So when you hear Republicans say, government doesn't work, it's because they are the ones standing in the doorway. They stand in the breach of government working. And that's what's so sad. And those are the things that Republicans have done to halt progress in this country. Be it treason or the unprecedented use of a filibuster. Either way it goes, it sets them, and there's a difference in those Republicans who simply are obstruction. This is why I find it very difficult to understand the Bernie or bust. I find it very difficult to hold my tongue. Like I said, and I'll say it again. Yeah, I wanted Bernie. I, I definitely wanted Bernie. But they had their thumb on the scale from the beginning. 929-477-2867 if you want to get in. But when people speak about, I'm going to take my ball and go home because Bernie didn't win. As we mentioned, yesterday was the first day of the Democratic National Convention. And while there were messages of unity from Michelle Obama, Elizabeth Warren, and Bernie Sanders, the evening was marred not by all Bernie supporters, but by a small percentage, members of the hardcore Bernie or bust movement, who chanted and booed through most of the evening. Which brings me to a new segment called, Hey! I tuned in last night, and there was more white booing than the Casper movie. <laughs> Look, I know you're Bernie or Bust, but the results are in. Bust won. 
we don't have time for this. Donald Trump is ahead in the polls. The House is on fire. Stop crying because we're not putting it out with your hose. Hey, pay attention. We are on the cusp of electing a racist demagogue, and that never ends well. I don't know which class you ditched to go to those Bernie rallies, but I have a feeling it was history. You're like a Cavaliers fan who goes to the games and boos when LeBron dunks with the wrong hand. Oh, wait, that would never happen because that is ridiculous. But I know what you're going to say. I don't know anyone who's planning to vote for Trump. Oh, you don't. Did you ask everybody in your yoga class? Did you check with the entire drum circle? Because guess what? You know you have that crazy uncle you only see at Thanksgiving? Well, this country is about 48% crazy uncles. And it's about to be Thanksgiving all day, every day. And please don't say, pass the gravy, because if Trump is elected, no one gets gravy. Trump gets all of the gravy. Also, because of you, Bernie is going to have to campaign for Hillary every day until Election Day, and he shouldn't have to do that. One, because he hates her. It's just unlike you, he's adult enough to pretend he doesn't. And two, Bernie should be on a well-earned vacation, just sitting on a stoop, drinking cream soda and yelling at people to put their garbage in the trash can. And another thing, if you're going to put tape over your mouth to symbolize that you are being silenced, don't agree to do an interview. Is there anything Hillary Clinton could say or do to win you over? One or the other. Pay for talking. You can't do both. Look, look, I get disappointment. We've all experienced disappointment. I couldn't get Rihanna to go out with me, but I don't stand in the kitchen and boo my wife. <laughs> At least not while she's telling me how she plans to make my life better. Bernie did a great job. You did a great job. Your passion changed the Democratic Party, and that is no small thing. You should be proud of yourselves for his campaign. But also, you have to be quiet now. Now is the time to be quiet. This has been, hey. It always takes a comedian. It always takes a comedian to bring the point to light. To bring it home. Always comedian. Because it is so much out there. The fruit on the trees is at knee level now. It'll soon hit the ground and rot because the bought and paid for Democratic Party will not stand in the breach and fight. In many ways, they are the buddies, the comrades, the same wings of the bird, but in many ways they are not. Who's looking to take away your social security? Who's looking to take away your health care? Who? When I hear people say they, they're the same. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're the same because they're rich. And you may find people on the Democratic side making decisions because it might hurt them financially. 
getting money out of politics is major, and that is a major concern of the Sanders campaign. Back in a minute. have a distracting election. The people middle class who are vulnerable to propaganda and repetitious bullshit that you hear coming from the mouths of these clowns day after day. And that's where we are. And that's why it's almost the bewitching hour. It's almost checkmate. It's almost that time. The time is of no return. It's almost the time when we won't be able to recover because recovery simply will not be in the car. No matter what, know your values. No matter what, know you matter. The I Declare a Show, home of Real Law Right Now Talk Media. I Declare a Show is where we Deal with the difficult, real raw, right now. The I Declare Show. Real raw right now, talk media. I Declare. The I Declare Show, Tuesdays, 9 p.m. I'm Janice Graham, and I Declare. It's real, raw, and right now. The I Declare Show with India Declare. Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. Transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Saturday, 10 p.m. Join us live and live it on On Our Our Common Ground. Ground. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Our Common Ground. Where friends come to meet comrades. I'm Janice Grant. You're listening to the Alpha Show on TruthWorks Network. Now back to Alpha. Yes, yes. Our Common Ground featuring Janice Graham tomorrow night here at Blog Talk Radio, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. 
<laughs> you know, um, the first hour, uh, Janice will be speaking with unfiltered intellectuals. Yvette Cornell, Pasquale Robert, Pascal Robert. It's spelled Pascal Robert, but it's Robert. The second hour, Arame Osei from Paul and James Taylor. I wonder if I can use Arame Osei from Paul's initials. IOF. Let's, let's call him IOF for now. Because, uh, how does that little thing go with the little You're kind of funny, man. Uh, but um, that is tomorrow at our common ground. Our host, Janice Graham, and um, also the CEO of TruthWorks Network. No. I don't worry about getting in trouble. <laughs> I'm like this. We all we got. We all we got. And do not forget Tuesday, the I Declare show featuring India Declare. Uh, I don't think India will have any guests, but I'm sure India will have a great deal to say. Um, we have to make sure that we keep all of this in context. Because this is just, this is simply, we spoke about the, the toll it takes on us mentally and physically. I, I can honestly say I don't have any more hair to pull out. <laughs> well, I'm lying. I do have hair to pull out. I just cut it myself. Yeah. But um, look, look, folks. Let's get a grip on things. Let's get a grip on because I I got so many friends, so many friends, people that I'm friends with on Facebook. Every time I turn around, every time I move, I lose. All I see is Hillary did this, Hillary did that, Hillary did. I I am fully aware of all the BS with. the private prisons and the, the the financial interest they have in private prisons, the the uh, Clinton uh, 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 war on crime and the, the the number of black lives that have been destroyed, and all you have to do is check with Ms. Michelle Alexander. She writes a great piece on why the black vote should not go to Hillary Clinton. But it is. She's getting the black vote. The only black vote she's not getting are the diaper, the full diaper people who just won't vote for her. And I don't blame them. What I blame them for is a lack of political reality. You can be as principled as you want. There's just simply too much at stake not just for four years. The things before the Supreme Court, which is 4-4 deadlock, and the next president will appoint the next 
three or four Supreme Court judges. And I'm like this, to hell, to hell with trying to appease the other side. Grab a hold to the Senate and get rid of the filibuster and push your nominees through. Now, they're still holding up court judges. And that's one of the biggest problems we have in the murdering of black people by the ghost soldiers of the Klan. We have judges who are ghost soldiers of the Klan. We have prosecutors who are ghost soldiers of the Klan. In law enforcement, along with the police officers who are ghost soldiers of the Klan. The bathroom laws will go before the Supreme Court, just like Hobby Lobby went. And if you leave that to a right-wing, leaning judge with uh, Supreme Court, Obamacare will be eviscerated wiped off the books. 20 million people will no longer have health care. They said it would kill jobs. This administration has created 15 million jobs in the private sector because they have shut down the public sector jobs. The creation of public sector jobs has been very effectively stopped. Oh, we don't want to grow government. Damn that. We don't want to grow private sector costs. The financial protection bill is up, will be up. Climate change will be up. Voting Rights Act will be up. Marriage equality will be up. The right to choose, that's unions. The right for employees to have negotiations, that'll be up gun control, because as soon as the nation gets just a little bit wiser and states begin to implement gun registration like cars, they're going to run to the Supreme Court for protection. Religious freedoms. Oh, everybody's walking on their religious freedoms as they walk on everybody else's civil rights. That is the right to discriminate. So there's simply too many things that are up in the air. And I heard um, I heard the singer and she surprised me because she, she opened her mouth and she put some stuff out there that oh, that's her business. As we say, that's your business. So, both of my parents are pastors and staunch Republicans. I didn't finish high school, and unfortunately, I don't have a formal education. But I do have an open mind, and I have a voice. So, I'm asking you to have an open mind and to use your voice, because on November 8th, you'll be just as powerful as any NRA lobbyist. You'll have as much say as any billionaire. Or you can just cancel out your weird cousin's vote if you like. 
Because remember, it's not where you come from, it's what you grow into. So here's how I'm going to use my voice. That's Katie Perry. You know, the, the singer, the singer Katie Perry. No, she doesn't have a formal education. She doesn't have a high school diploma. But um, she's doing pretty good. <laughs> she's doing pretty good. So, like she said, there's simply too much at stake. When you get to vote, you have just as much power as the NRA, the lobbyists, and all of the billionaires who buy our politicians. Clinton has promised to get rid of Citizens United. And if they can get the judges on the Supreme Court, they can resurrect hundreds of years of precedent, of legal precedent, that the right-wing and legislating from the bill bastards of Scalia, Thomas, Kennedy, Alito, Roberts erased, lending our legal democracy to a bought and paid for legal bribery. So you have a choice, and that choice is just, it is just too much. It's too much for me to say nothing. It's too much for me to say nothing. There's too much at stake for me to sit at home. Principled, pissed off, because Bernie was cheated. Oh, hell yeah. He was cheated. But everyone from Donna Brazil on down has to be replaced in the DNC. I think they will find that their contributions that they rake in will shrink dramatically simply because of the attitudes and the appearance of partisanship. Your vote is important. As is the vote. <laughs> As is the vote of um, the peoples, and I call them peoples. As is the vote of the people in North Carolina. The level just below the Supreme Court. This week struck down the North Carolina, the most jacked-up bill in the nation. The United States Court of Appeals of the Fourth Circuit Opinion in North Carolina State Conference of the NAACP versus McCory. McCory is the governor of North Carolina. There's nothing short of a beatdown. The court not simply tear apart 
major provisions of the law that cachet the state lawmakers at the center of the conspiracy, the conspiracy to disenfranchise black voters. Now, that to me is is the important sentence of this. It cachets state lawmakers at the center of the conspiracy to disenfranchise black voters. It calls them out onto the carpet for it. By the time the court is done scraping the bloody mass of what was once North Carolina's attempt to justify this law off the floor, the state legislation, leading on the state's leadership, has been thoroughly shamed. Enough. The judges called them out for their willful disenfranchisement of black people. Just as they want this so they could win a suit against each and every one of the Republican-controlled Senate and House members for violating their oath of office. Opinion primarily written by Judge Diana Gribbon Motz, a Clinton appointee, is rooted in an important understanding of how race and partisanship enacted in states like North Carolina with a large minority population. Race is a very close proxy for political views. Black voters overwhelmingly prefer Democrats and white voters, at least in North Carolina, tend to lean Republican. Thus, if Republican lawmakers want to improve their chances of winning the election, they can do so by enacting voting laws that disproportionately disenfranchise African Americans. Moats writes, polarization renders minority voters uniquely vulnerable to the inevitable tendency of elected officials to entrench themselves by targeting groups unlikely to vote for them. Where is the ass? The ass, the constant. There should be drumbeat of ads. Calling the Republican Party in North Carolina to the carpet for voter suppression, for lies and un-American rigging of the ballot. There is no voter fraud. The only voter fraud lies in the legislative body, the voter suppression. Such efforts used to make race as a proxy for partisan, moreover, violate the Constitution and the Voting Rights Act. Even if the lawmakers enacted the law did not have hate in their hearts, it doesn't matter that the lawmakers in this case, appear to have targeted black voters because they are Democrats and not because they are black. All that matters is the voter suppression law at the issue, in this case, was enacted 
with the purpose of making it harder for African Americans to vote. And the judge excoriated the Republican-led legislators in North Carolina. Now, not only is that a happy time, time to do your happy dance, In Kansas, the Shawnee County judge ruled that 17,500 voters can have their voters, their votes counted, state and local races as well as federal ones. Losing one's vote is an irreparable harm. In opinion of Larry Hendricks, a state board approved an earlier ruling this month to allow people to vote only in federal elections and not state and local ones. If they register at the DMV offices but fail to provide proof of citizenship as required by Kansas, the rule crafted by Secretary of State Chris Kova was meant to put the state in compliance with a recent ruling by a federal judge to let these voters vote under the federal motor voter law, but not to allow them to vote for local elections, for state and local races. The American Civil Liberties Union challenged the ruling under the Equal Protection Clause in Kansas City Constitution. You either register or you're not. The ACLU attorney, Sophia Larkin, told the judge that no such thing as have registered. So, North Carolina, Kansas, let's not forget the Texas ruling on voter suppression. They've thrown that out. And see, here's the here's the major part of this. They can't run to the Supreme Court because it's four four. So if you want voter suppression to be reinstated, stay home and allow Donald Trump to walk into the White House. Voter registration problem number three. In Wisconsin, and this was this wasn't a um, this wasn't a, a, a much reported on, but a federal judge throughout multiple aspects of Wisconsin voter ID law on Friday, leaving the law itself intact but ruling unconstitutional. Many restrictions passed by the GOP-controlled legislature and Republican Governor Scott Walker. Two liberal groups filed the lawsuit in May challenging the laws, including a requirement that voters show photo identification. U.S. District Judge James Peterson agreed with arguments the laws were enacted to benefit Republicans and make it harder for Democratic supporters to vote in order to range of changes. 
And after he ordered the range of changes, uh, the state has to quickly issue credentials valid for voting to anyone trying to obtain a free voter ID. They were even stopping them from getting the voter ID required with a obstacle course of loopholes. And he kicked all of that out. It's been a long time coming. A long time coming. Now is the time not to sit back and watch Republicans get stronger and reinstitute these voter suppression laws with minor changes that they feel will pass uh, challenges in the court. It's time to actively campaign against the un-American plot. Take away the votes of minorities. Call them bigots, the bigots that they are. And simply allow the voters to make those choices. And put forth the The, the, the registration, the voter registration that need to be enacted, the minority registrations that need to happen to vote these bastards out of office. In all of these states, there should be a drumbeat to point out the wrongdoing of the Republican Party. I don't believe that it will pass the smell test anywhere for them now to deny that suppressing the votes of minorities was not their intent. Nine two nine four seven seven two eight six seven. I see a lot of people on the board, but I don't see anybody with their hand up. So just press number the number one, and uh, your hand will be up, and you can talk about it you can talk about. And I'll continue to say this about people who come on the board and simply don't get caught up. Don't get caught up. 678, welcome to the Alpha Show. Thank you for calling Truth Works Network. Greetings, my brother. How you feeling? Oh, Henry. Is that you, old Henry? It is I. How you feeling? I'm feeling decent. Decent. Fat or middling, but uh, I'm breathing. What the hell? (laughs) Uh, So much goes on with Alpha. You you can't keep up. You know that. Um, From day to day. Different things happen, and you know, the news cycle here in the 21st century is—it's uh, not even 24 hours long anymore. Maybe six, eight, ten hours, and then something new happens. But that's because we have a lot of amazing things going on. And I um, continue to watch this orange-haired clown, who still, despite 
despite despite all of his efforts to get out of this, because he's in over his head, he really doesn't want to be there, continues to get 43, 44, 45% of the vote. Now, that says a lot about us. When I say us, I just say us as Americans, you know, because it is us. You know, you have um, the, the United States is a big team. So, you know, you have your 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 players and you have those who are simply on the team and are, and they're sitting on the bench but they're on the roster. And I'm wondering who are these 43, 44, 45% of the people who are willing to throw away everything just so they can get this beige guy out of the White House. That's basically what it's about. They you know they they're basically running against Obama. I granted they don't have any love for the Clintons. But it's still about Obama. It really is. Well, he's going anyway. Yeah. He's in the he's wind. He's, he can't wait. Well, he has a sense he's going to stay in D.C. to um, till, till the youngest girl graduates from high school. But he can't, get, he can't wait to get back to Chicago so he can hang out with you again. That's really what he's looking forward to. And if she think, could, his, I don't, I don't, his wife would be gone think, now. I don't think I'll let him hang out with me. <laughs> he he, he pissed me off. He has he, pissed you know, me off, and I'll tell you. Go ahead. What he should have done, and, you know, you said this long ago, and, of course, we agreed with you. When I say we, you know, most of your audience, he should have gone in and done what needed to be done. You can't work with people who don't want to be worked with. There's no sense in being nice to people. When I say that, I don't mean disrespecting, but why be nice to someone who doesn't want to be bothered with you anyway? I don't go places. I don't spend my money places where people don't, you know, back up they don't want my money. I don't hang out with people that don't want to be bothered with me. But he went in trying to be nice. Oh, we're going to, there is no bipartisan anymore. And if this election doesn't prove it to us, then nothing will. And Republicans set the tone with my way or the highway, and they continue to. Um, we got a guy who his answer to everything is a tweet. If you agree with him, you're great. If you disagree with him, you're weak, you're tired, you're uh, low energy, or, or 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 something worse. That's the mentality. That's an elementary it's elementary school child's mentality. It's not even a, a middle school or high school child's mentality. It's elementary school. But it's also a spoiled brat's mentality. And that's what Trump is. You think about it. That's all he's ever dealt with from, you know, when he was young and rich, when he was a child, to the military school, to whatever, you know. Everything has always gone his way because he's had enough money to make it go his way. But he doesn't really want to be president. He wants to run for president. He wants to say he won an election. But he doesn't really want to be president because he's not up to it. Why would he want to well, be up to it? Well, he's not going to be president. Like he told, like he offered John Kasich, like his son said to John Kasich, you'll be the most powerful vice president ever, which means you can be in charge of foreign policy and domestic policy. So what is Trump going to do? What's the same the thing he does. Take him off the he, seas and outsource. He's going to make America great. And that's all he can say. He's going to make America great. 
What does that mean? You know, that means who was America great for back in the good old days? It wasn't for everyone. Um, 1776 when we were just slaves. You see, Bill O'Reilly. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I heard a guy point out we had good food. Yeah, they fed us. They fed us well. We had an unemployment rate of zero. <laughs> so, right. unemployment, unemployment was down for yeah. <laughs> Technically, I guess that was the good old days, but <laughs> if you could interview any of those folks who were around at that time, they probably didn't see it that way. Um, the crazy thing is, for a guy like Bill O'Reilly, there was a time, and not so much now, but when the Irish people first got to America, they were catching it. Would you say those were the good old days for them? When they were being discriminated against? Now you're trying he, to start trouble. He, he's a psychopath. He really is. He lives in a a time warp. And you got to remember, back at that time, he was a ladies' man. I showed you how long ago that was. But he's very um, convinced that he's right about whatever he says or does. The difference in Sean Hannity and Bill O'Reilly, Bill O'Reilly believes that bullshit that he spits out. I, don't, I think Sean Hannity's just playing TV for the most part, even though he believes it because he's a, he, he, he's a, ben, a benefactor of white privilege. But Bill O'Reilly actually believes that. Now, here's a guy that dragged his ex-wife down the stairs in front of his kids, paid millions of dollars to settle a sexual harassment situation. But he's right, and everybody else is wrong. He, he, he ran it this week that people want to see him dead. Now, I don't doubt that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if they're actively participating in trying to see to it that he is dead. But that's where we are now. In, in, in 2016, the mindset of a lot of people, uh, rich, poor, and just realistically speaking, the common thread is mostly Caucasian folks. They think that we're going to go back to the good old days, whatever that means, and Trump's going to take us there. I'm not sure how he's going to accomplish it, he's going to accomplish it but He's right at that 43, 44%. I'm still convinced that he, that he won't win the election, but it's scary that we're even there. This guy shouldn't be polling at more than 10%. He shouldn't be. Well, you remember you, you remember how um, Mitt Romney was close and every, it was touch and go and everybody was kind of, you know, fearful about the closeness of the race and Mitt right. Romney could win. That's because the posters and the and the, the the media kept this alive and kept these yeah. these, these these questionable polls going. And when you get right down to it, they had nothing. Mitt Romney lost about five million votes, but that seems to be that seems to be a a, a, a foundation. They can lose the party and still win. Because the Senate, they got 54 seats in the Senate, but right. 10 million more votes 
exactly. took over the Senate. But that's that well, seems to be the way they the way they they, they craft it. They, they just cannot. win. Nope. And they refuse to accept that they can't win on ideas. I listened a little bit to to Eric Erickson today, and he's talking about you know different things. But the idea is that he, as a conservative and others, put out the people aren't with them. He won't accept that, but they're not with them, the majority of the people. But they're still going to do things their way. Um, I watched them asking various governors. I think Nikki Haley there in South Carolina. I watched them, Scott Walker and others, asking them uh, were they going to vote for Trump. And they didn't want to go on record saying it. And they will. Um, why do you vote for a guy if he's not his values are not your values? They say he does that they don't share his values. So why would they vote for him? Well, it's like being a little bit pregnant. How is it that you can how is it that you can say in one sentence that that's racist talk? He's a racist. Right. But I'm right. going to right. I'm, I'm going to endorse him. Yeah. I'm going to vote for him. Without right. without saying or, or 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 the the, the classic I don't endorse him, but I'm going to vote for him. How 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 more do you show someone that he has your endorsement than by voting for him? <laughs> you don't have well, to publicly endorse him per se, but you vote for him. A racist, you have to endorse him. A racist, narcissistic bigot is better than Hillary Clinton. And what sense does that make? And my next question well, is for for poor white folks. Oh, he's going to bring the jobs back. Back to where America? Now, granted, his businesses right. don't do that now, but he's going to bring the jobs back. He's going to protect us. Protect us from who? The same way Bush protected us? He kept us safe? Other than that one that one day in September where we lost 3,000 people, he kept us safe. And that's their mindset. Well, don't forget the anthrax attacks at the post offices right behind back, so... You know, the 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 terrorism game has has graduated, and the more the more I'm I'm convinced, the more ISIS loses ground and territory. They 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 spring out, and that's where you see the escalation of uh, terrorism throughout Europe. And I'm looking for. They're about in the next two days. I'm looking for another big hit. Yeah, yeah. Out there. I, I I wouldn't be surprised. I, I really wouldn't. But now think about it. You just had the Dems convention. They had the moms there. They had the cops there that had lost family members. Muslims. Uh, real entertainers, not uh. Chachi and whoever else is out there, but you know people who were in the public eye now that that young people know not you know people that were stars when we were young we were marginal stars then uh all sorts of diversity and what have you as opposed to a white uh, the good old boys white man's convention, but we still see individuals I'm gonna go with them anyway, right they don't represent me. I'm going to go with them, mainly because eight years ago, 
they let this nigga in the White House. So I'm, I hadn't gotten over that yet. We got to take our country back. Take it back from who? Trump? And to where? That's what's taking us over. And to where? Take it back from who and take it back to where? Big business is taking over. Uh, Money and politics is taking it over. That's what they want. That's what they should want to take it back from. And if I hear this one more time, well, he doesn't owe anybody anything and he's self-financed. I'm going to pull what little hair I have left out of my head. Now, he is self-financed because he can't get the big donors to donate to him. But I guarantee you they well, vote for him. When you say, when you say self-financing, he has taken in donations. He has taken in uh, political donations, and he's paying his businesses with that. This man yeah. has paid himself over $6 million. Now, that's why he's loaning his campaign money. So exactly. That, uh, so he can pay himself back with the money. The he same way he self- the same way he does and did with his businesses when he was building this and that and what have you. Didn't pay anybody, but he didn't lose any money because he filed bankruptcy. That's Trump. Uh, Bloomberg hit it right on the head. He knows the comment when he sees one. And he said because he's from New York, but you know what? You're from Chicago. I'm from Atlanta, and we know a con man when we see one, too. I'm going to tell you. But individuals hey. want to continue to fall for it. He's a um, – I've been surprised that an individual can be that thin-skinned. And everything that you say, he takes it personally. Oh, they attacked me, so I'm going to attack. I just don't know who – what adult works that way. I I, I don't know any, you know – I'm going to get on Twitter. My daughter's 14, and she doesn't respond to everything that someone says about her. Or they just like, okay, well, they don't like me. They don't like me. And this is a 70-year-old man. Supposedly a businessman. So he knows how these things work. Um, he, he mentioned that Putin called Obama the N-word, but he just hoped Putin likes him. So it didn't bother him that Putin called our president the N-word? It didn't bother no. him that Putin kills reporters? No. He, you know, suppress- no. And, and, because and he did you hear him? Didn't you hear him say today that he was being sarcastic? No, he when wasn't. He said, when, okay, but we're fools. See, we, see, we're the damn fools because we're supposed to believe him. And he sends the people out and they repeat it and say it over and over and over again because they know if the media challenges them, they simply cut off their access. Which they've done that. In a Putin-type move, only if Putin kills the journalists there, but if Trump could get away with it, he would too. I just, I, I, I don't know. And we'll see where we're at, let's say in a week, two weeks, a month, what have you. But there's no reason why this thing should even be this close. Even now. Compare the bigotry. two conventions. Right, exactly. But bigotry and hatred goes a long way. They, they, can, they erase facts out of their mind. It's like I said, like I've called them on it, and I've, use the term uh, cognitive dissonance. And that's what they suffer from. 
these people are just, they are so, uh, so weeded to the bigotry that they don't care their beliefs are their beliefs and their assumptions are their assumptions. Even when they are confronted. They hear a statement like, Lives matter, and to them that means you're saying nobody else matters. And the personal black lives matter. Well, that's not what we're saying. All lives matter, but right now, this is you know what we're focusing on. That's equivalent to in the NFL when these when these when these players wear their pink in October to bring awareness to breast cancer. It's good you tell the NFL, well, y'all don't care about all the other cancers. You're just thinking about breast cancer, but no one says. Well, that. not how about the other deaths? Period. Breast cancer deaths matter, but uh, shooting deaths don't, suicides don't. I mean, that's it's the equivalent. That is, but you see, we're in a, we're in a political uh, arena of wordsmanship. You, you have the wordsmiths who go out and they put forth these terms and they ask, what about blue lives? What about all lives? All lives matter where few restrictions apply. That means if yep. you're if you're black, uh, Muslim, if you're non-white, those are the restrictions that apply. When you hear someone say "all lives matter," that's what that's what they mean. All lives matter. Well, the, the ironic thing about that is, if you really feel that all lives matter, then. When you hear that Black Lives Matter, that should bother you even more that someone lost their life, an unarmed person lost their life. I got one more question for you, and you know, you you, you take your time and and, and answer this. Uh, you, you don't have to answer it tonight. Um, if Freddie Gray's death is a homicide, who's responsible? Well, Freddie Gray just did himself. <laughs> I think that the prosecutor, the prosecutor came out roaring when the gag act was, when the gag order was lifted. She came out and she called him out. The police tampered with evidence. They they uh, tampered with witnesses. They they basically made sure that there would be no conviction. They and they got this judge pocket. I hear one more time. Well, the judge is black. Well, you know what? Black Lives Matter movement is about these individuals. Well, it started with individuals being summarily executed by cops, unarmed men. It's not a race thing. Because you and I know black cops kick the shit out of niggas the same way white cops do. You know that. Right, because then they. <laughs> They don't have to be ghost soldiers of the clan, but they're under the circle. They're suffering from the cervical syndrome because if they don't uh, fall in line, they will be treated like cervical workers. Exactly. Exactly. And it's a movie. Think way back to uh, Boys in the Hood. And the scene where the, when Trey was a young kid, his dad shot at the crackhead in the house, and the cops rolled up. There was a black cop and a white cop. And the black cop was worse than the white cop. And later when Trey was a teenager, the cop, and, you know, it, it, I know it's a movie, the 
cop's statement was, oh, you're scared now, as he pulled a gun on an unarmed teenager. I like that. That's why I took this job. You think that's fiction? Absolutely it's, not. Well, it's plenty of police, police officers. The reason why they want to be police officers is because they can tell somebody what to do. They can put fear in somebody's heart. That's why they want to be police officers. It's not about protecting and serving. It's not about anything. And I'm not saying there aren't cops that are there for that, but there's plenty of them out there for the wrong reasons. We've seen it time and again. We've talked to them time and again. We've seen them personally up close, you and I, time and again. And in the race didn't matter. I'm a cop. I run this. Shut your mouth. Oh, you're resisting. I have a friend. She works for the Fulton County uh, Sheriff's Department. And she told me in training, the two things they teach them are to state loudly while they're subduing a subject, uh, a suspect, why are you resisting? Doesn't mean that they are, but to state that loudly. And the other thing she told me, this was a couple of years back, I feared for my life is what they're trained to say when a situation gets out of hand or when something happens. That's always their fallback statement. She, she, she looked me right in my eye and told me that. And we, how many times have we heard it over and over and over again? We watched a cop plant evidence on the man in South Carolina, the dead body of the man in South Carolina. Was he fearful of his life? Is that why he put a gun you know, or he took my taser? As he shot a man running away who was concerned because he had he may have had a warrant for not paying his child support. And then you get responses like, well, he shouldn't have ran. Why did he run? If he wasn't guilty, why did he run? Well, he's uh, not being opposed with the question, does running because you have a warrant, is that a death sentence? <laughs> it's a death sentence. Nah. In, in Judge Dredd's world, you ever see Judge Dredd? That's how it works. A robocop. Exactly. But in the real world, does that make any sense? The young man in Minnesota stated that he had a concealed carry. And there's open carry. Now, open carry isn't for us, you, well, you know that. But I have a concealed carry license. I'm armed. And then four shots later, he's dying in the front seat of his car as his four, as a four-year-old is sitting in the back seat who could have gotten struck by any one of those bullets. Not to mention the girlfriend and, in the driver's seat. Four shots into the to, car. If you listen to the cops, I told him not to reach. You asked him for his ID. When he reached for his ID, you seized upon that opportunity to shoot Remember the guy in South Carolina that got shot as he was going for his ID? And they ended up firing that cop. But I think the cop shot at him five or six times and only hit him once in the hip. So he was fortunate. And the man said to him, I was reaching for my ID. You asked for my ID, but you shot me. But how did he die? And he still wanted to handcuff him. Turn over. Put your hands behind your back. Behind your back. And, they and then you get once the suspect's dead, you, you, you get things from Sean Hanley like, well, they looked at the case. They were found not guilty. Well, you know what? If it's you and I, and I'm the only one left alive to tell my story, it can go anyway. I can tell you, ask George Zimmerman. We knew George George Zimmerman was a scumbag when we saw him. And they defended him. Oh, well, he got into a fight with Trayvon. Well, Trayvon attacked him. I don't know how that went down. 
The things I do know is he was told not to follow, and he followed him anyway. The other thing I know is I don't get, well, I guess you do, but I don't get to bring a gun to a fist fight. That's not how that works. And if I'm 30 years old and a 16-year-old whoops my ass, I got what I deserve there, too. Especially if I approach, but I don't even think it went down. I think he approached that boy with that gun out. And I think he shot him. He, he, he blasted him. I always remember, you remember when Zimmerman went to the police station that night? Where was the broken nose and the blood on him then? Not the pictures we saw later, but where was it that night? Because they had pictures from that night. Well, remember when they were interviewing him? Well, that was pointed out the same. That was pointed out as well. But you see, the problem there was that the prosecutors, just like in Baltimore, it was a, it was a, a, prosecutor, defense lawyer, uh, conspiracy. We will try this case so badly and it will be so easy for you to defend that not guilty is the only verdict that we can, that the jury will be able to come up with. It's well, not guilty. In the Baltimore case, why murder instead of manslaughter? Why well, was that murder, Because you cannot Prove uh, they could not prove that murder charge. Yeah, and that, that means I premeditated that, that Manslaughter could be you and I got in a fight, and I I had a gun and I shot you. Murder could mean murder means I decided when I left the house I was going to kill you. So well, I'm not manslaughter. That's, that's first degree murder. There's also yeah. second degree manslaughter. Who's responsible for strapping Fred into that van? Somebody's responsible. And I think Freddie was injured before he, went, before he got in the back of that van. I think he was injured before that. Yes, he was. When they picked him up, they, the, the damage done to his spine and all of that was done when they... Because he couldn't even move his legs then. His legs were dragging. Right. He couldn't straighten them out. He couldn't move them. Who's responsible? So Somebody has exactly. to be responsible. Who was responsible for strapping him into that van? Exactly. And then they want to charge the driver with giving him the rough ride. He didn't even touch it. So you know he wasn't, wasn't going to get that conviction. No. So the prosecutor, the prosecutor uh, and I started to upload that, that, uh, that news conference. Because she she basically hit hit the police department with both barrels for their the staging and the witnesses that and, and all of the evidence given to the defendants to the defense lawyers it it, it was just a it was just a washover you know uh, you know in Michigan they've been uh, they've indicted six more minions. Yeah. For the lead poisoning, and that too, in and of itself, still leaves out the government. He's and in charge, a, right? A, right, right. And he, and he knew about it. Republicans knew about it. Republicans never step down, and they never take responsibility, and that's what you have here. They don't even apologize when they're wrong anymore. That that that's where we're at now with them. Don't apologize. 
that's a weak a sign of weakness to apologize you. You know, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And there's times in life when we're all wrong. So then you have to apologize. But they won't even do that. But yeah. these, these, these minions, and you call them minions, I'm going to call them peons. They're going to pay. Somebody's going to pay. But it won't be the people that are responsible. Yeah. But Hillary's yeah. responsible for Benghazi. You better remember that. Hillary alone. Hillary and Obama. Nobody else. Uh, granted, we've had investigations, and we can't, you know, we can't prove it wrong to them, but she's responsible. She murdered them. Giuliani stated, he told the, 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 the bomb of the Benghazi individual, she ought to be upset with Hillary. Now, Giuliani responsible for 9-11, but he put the command center there in the uh, World Trade Center when they and told them not to. When they told him not to. You know, it, and it, it, because, it, he get, it, because he didn't it, get the communication system that they needed? It gets so to, to a point where you get tired of hearing this, and you get tired of no one taking the offensive on these people as far as what their narrative is and what and the lies that they're telling. Oh, Henry, I got a, uh, I got a Johnny come lately. I think I know who it is, but uh, you handle that. I'm still listening. Put me back on hold. Um, okay, keep doing what you're doing. Keep improving, brother. You you owe me a call, right. so you got to get back. All right. Thanks a lot, Orin. All right, brother. I'm listening. Okay. 929-477-2867. Let me go to 773. Thank you for calling the Alpha Show. Welcome to Truth Works Network. Hey, what's up, Alpha? Um, you know who it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know your name, Johnny? Or come lately. <laughs> I'll tell you I'm good. Look, I'm blaming I, on Henry for this. I'm um I was over here silent, minding my business, watching the show. <clears throat> Excuse me. They kept bringing up too many points. Um, so I had to hit one. I had to press one. And um, really, the main point is um, you know, uh, I was watching you know with all the turmoil and stuff. I was I don't know how it happened. Somebody was watching Fox and Hannity was on, and he wanted somebody to ask one of these Black Lives Matter protesters about um, cops um, being indicted right away, like it was the, the Baton Rouge thing and the Minneapolis, uh, the Minnesota thing. And um, it, it, they always talk about this rush to judgment when it comes to these cops killing black folks. And he wanted to find out if the cop deserved um, due process. So all he wanted to know, did the cop deserve due process, due process for the officers? But what about... Trayvon, did he deserve due process? What about the brothers that got killed in Baton Rouge and Minnesota? Did, didn't they deserve about, due process? What about Freddie Gray? Didn't what about deserve, Tamir Rice? What about Tamir Rice? What What about all of these brothers and sisters? Rakeel Boyd, all of them. Oh, well, Andrew Bland, where was her due process? But they're dead. And then after the when people are dead. You find out that they threaten, they threaten uh, policemen, the prosecutor threatened policemen. These are nothing more than ghost soldiers of the Klan that are in yeah. this law enforcement, these prosecutors' offices, and the judge sitting behind in black robes. These are Klansmen under the radar, and that should be weeded out. That should somehow be. Uh, 
pointed out. Yeah, you're right. And um, I, I think if there are any, you know, civil cases that are brought up against these uh, individuals or these departments, I'm imagining um, the, the they bring it up on the basis of a, a civil rights violation of due process. I mean, I mean, damn it, if it's supposed to be uh, allowed and extended to them, you know, the people that killed them, it was supposed to be uh, allowed and extended to the folks that were killed, I would think. Well, I tell you, you know, you know, House, I don't want, I, I am not one to advocate killing of anyone. But how much will it take to radicalize black people? How much is it, how many hundreds of years of this type of oppression is it going to take before we get the young people who just don't give a damn anymore to start shooting back? They killed a cop in San Diego, wasn't it? And wounded his partner and somebody in the gangs division. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how long, how many people have to die before there is transparency? Last week they killed a cop in Kansas City. The week before that, it was Baton Rouge, and the week before that, it was a five and Dallas. And then you have people who are willing to come to the camera and say, it's the it's, it's Black Lives Matter killing cops. I saw a video on Facebook, a young black man, the cop in Texas pulled him over and said, y'all killing black people, and we're going to put a stop to this. And it was choking him in the whole nine yards. And he said he's got it on. He's got the audio. He didn't. He couldn't take the video, but he's got it on audio. Well, I got a newsflash out. Uh, 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 cops, just like other members of the general population, uh, they get killed. They die in the line of duty. It's a dangerous job. It's not the most dangerous job on the planet or even in the nation or even in whatever said city. It's um, not even in the top two. Not even, exactly. It's not right. even in the top ten of dangerous jobs. Yeah, so all of a sudden it didn't just start happening 12 months ago or 24 months ago. It It's always happened. Um, now we're just getting another narrative behind it, you know, one that suits the... <laughs> The people who made it up But the top reason for cops to be killed Is suicide That's the top reason That's the top killer of police officers And officers on duty It's suicide Mm -hmm. Go figure And those are These are their numbers These are police numbers Mm -hmm. This is not some numbers made up by Some government group Or government study These are the police numbers Go figure. But anyway, uh, I just I just wanted to uh, bring that point up. Uh, Henry brought up the uh, the Fox Clan, and I had to mention that about that uh, Hannity dude. And um, a uh, so we get this plug in real quick, man. It's uh, seven days out from um, Streets uh, 2016.com, the uh, commemorative. 50th anniversary march of uh, Martin Luther King Jr. through Marquette Park. 
We're recreating that August 6th in Chicago, Marquette Park. Starts at 10 a.m. A long list of uh, speakers. Uh, Father Flager will be there. One of the uh, speakers, um, Ilyasa, uh, Malcolm X's uh, daughter, will be one of the speakers. Starts at 10 a.m. till about 8, 9 p.m. I think the kick is out the park at 10 p.m. Um, show afterwards, uh, Yuna is uh, will be there. She's a, a big Malaysian singer. She has a hit with uh, Usher right about now and headlined by Rakim. Of Eric B. and Rakim fame So if you're in Chicago Try to come out Just $5 suggested donation um, To come in um, Go to streets2016.com For more information And alpha Like I said I'm going to see you one way or the other there As a matter of fact I'll be in Marquette Park tomorrow At 10 in the morning So I'm going to have to get your number somehow I think I'm going to have to get Janice To give you my number I think she may have it all right, House. Appreciate it, man. All right, brother. Thanks for taking the call. Peace. All right. Take care. Don't forget that um, August 6th, Market Park here in Chicago. Um, hello? I have to say this because I got to tell you, you know, seeing the President of the United States at this Democratic Convention brought back the the legacy of what he's done. He hasn't done everything. He's been obstructed in most of the things. And there are a lot of things that he could have done but he didn't do because he was worried about being and if you can't be for your own, who can you be for? When a faithfully married black president who was the son of a single mother, the first black editor of Harvard Law Review and professor of constitutional law, is considered unintelligent, immoral, and anti-American by right-wing, xenophobic, misogynistic, serial philandering, trust fund kid who quotes from the National Enquirer, peddles conspiracy theories, Routinely calls women fat and ugly, calls John McCain a loser for having been in prison, and advocates the torture and bombing of women and children has captured the hearts of the majority of the Republican Party. This is white supremacy, folks, plain and simple. Until next week, thank you, O'Henry, and thank you, House Music Lover. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes due. Ratings are more important than the truth. Our government builds twice as many prisons and schools. It's easier to find a Big Mac than an apple. And when you find the apple, it's been genetically processed and modified. Presidents lie. Politicians trick us. Race is still an issue. So is religion. Your God doesn't exist. My God does, and he is all-loving. If you disagree with me, I'll kill you, or even worse, argue you to death. 92% of songs on the radio are about sex. Kids don't play tag, they play twerk videos. The average person watches five hours of television a day, and it's more violence on the screen than ever before. Technology has given us everything we could ever want, and at the same time, stolen everything we 
really need. Pride is at an all-time high, humility an all-time low. Everybody knows everything, everybody's going somewhere, ignoring someone, blaming somebody. Not many human beings left anymore, a lot of human doings, plenty of human lingerings in the past. Until next week, people, I guess it will get a little more interesting. is in a quandary. It's a mess. You've been listening to The Alpha Show. Join us next Friday night, 10 p.m. Alpha will lay it out. It's just damn politics. Thank you for joining us at TruthWorks Network, The Alpha Show. TruthWorks presents The Alpha Show. Each Friday, 10 p.m. It's Fire in the Belly Friday at TruthWorks Network. Bring your own rocks. The best of political pushback. Just damn.